if you're going to lose anyways, might as well lose like standing for something than just offering people the same neoliberal slop that they've been eating for the past, you know, 45 years. Right. Forgotten Corner Podcast would not exist without our listeners. If you enjoy the work we are doing on this show and would like to support further, please consider a donation through our Patreon account, patreon.com backslash Forgotten Corner Pod, or visit our website, forgottencornerpod.com. Welcome back to the Forgotten Corner Podcast. We acknowledge that the Forgotten Corner occupies unceded Indigenous land. We acknowledge that the Blackfoot Confederacy never surrendered its land in the signing of Treaty 7, but agreed to share it. The Forgotten Corner sits on Treaty 7 and Treaty 4 territory, traditional lands of the Siksika, the Kainai, Pekani, Stony Nakoda, and Sutina, as well as the Cree, Sioux, and the Soto bands of the Ojibwa peoples. We also honor and acknowledge that we are in the, on the Métis Nation within Region 3. The Forgotten Corner is a proud member of the Harbinger Media Network, and if you'd like to check out other progressive podcasts like ours from across the country, click on that link that we always provide in our show notes. My name is Scott Schmidt. I am one of your hosts here alongside my co-host and good friend, uh, Jeremy Appel. Mr. Appel up in Edmonton, how are you doing once again? Haven't seen you in a few weeks. Yeah, no, always good to see you. Uh, how's your summer been? Eventful. <laughs> well, I guess uh, your summer, uh, like mine, is over now, but um, not that matters for me because when you're a freelancer, um, you know, always got to be on the ball. Yeah, I mean, people are like, I mean, I guess the standard end of summer is like Labor Day, but I mean, it's pretty summer weather right until October. So I'm going to c- continue to cling to the season as long as I can here. But it's like finally at that point in the summer where it's actually like reasonable here too. And it's not like 33 every day. So that's pretty good too. So it should be good. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know. We got, it's been a, we've gone away a lot uh, as we try to do in the summer, just lots of camping. Um, as you know, we went to Seattle and then, uh, you know, work's just been something <laughs> like the medicine at news is down to so few people that like, any single one of us doesn't work like this is not I'm not even exaggerating but if any single one of us doesn't work there's not going to be a newspaper and I just uh that can't I mean it's only so many uh more weeks that that can we could actually make it through that and now uh the manager like our only the city editor like the only manager in the building left is like done in five more shifts so it's good they are not replacing him so um what yeah, yeah they're no they're not even trying so who's gonna edit the paper like the, what actually goes in the paper well i mean oh I'll, you i'll continue to do that on days that i work yeah sorry i i, I mean who's, i don't know what they're gonna making do editorial like, decisions if the news editor like, well as far as like um like letters or ticked offs or like lifestyle columnists or any other like opinionated columnists i mean <laughs> it's kind of like i don't know what to do here because i don't have any like um 
what's the word? Like I'm not actually obligated to like, that's managerial stuff. Right. So um, yeah. Like do, am I qualified to handle that stuff? Of course I am. I do it like all the time when I'm like backing up the only manager we had and when he's off. Right. But um, it's a little different when um, it's sort of like, they've just allowed it to whittle down to a place where we can't function anymore. Like we're down to Colin and I who have like experience in the building and like, you know, we both completely do different things, right? Like he can't remotely do what I do. And like, there's no way I could like sufficiently back up what he does, you know, like you can send someone to fill in a council meeting here and there. Like if you have to, like, but you can't replace the background of information and contacts and whatnot that Collins built up in that time. So we're not, we're very like, we, we no longer have anyone to back each other up. Like Colin and I can't, can't back each other up. He physically can't do, he doesn't know InDesign, none of that stuff. Right. So like, if he doesn't work, like it's, we're down to the a place where like, if I don't work, there will not be a paper. And if Colin doesn't work, there might as well not be a paper. That's like, I'd just be putting, like, literally, I'd be putting, like, Western Nation news on, like, the hometown news page at that point. Like, it's so, we'll see what happens, but uh, it's an interesting time there for sure. So it's been, like I said, it's been way more of an eventful summer than one would really um, want. So uh, let's just say I'm, my eyes are, you know, I might have an Indeed membership right now. <laughs> like... Well, I, you know, I've told you this privately, but I want to put it on the record now. Uh, you should uh, bring back laying it out on Substack. Yeah, and like I think that's something that I I really want to do. And um, you know, there's been so many reasons over the last year and about three months that I had that I haven't been uh, able to write that. And there's so much speculation from the people that write me in I've had people write me in saying oh they're silencing you and it's not true it's not true like if like, <laughs> remember if when I got laid off and and everyone was like this is a conspiracy and it's like if it was a conspiracy I would be the first to yeah yeah exactly like not exactly known to uh keep my cards close to my chest right exactly so like the the really truth of it all is just for one reason or, uh, or another, uh, whether it be contract negotiations or uh, staffing issues, um, I have a right to refuse my name to be in the paper. And so I do. And uh, I can't write a column without my name. So uh, that's, that's why. So um, it's not that, you know, like, it's a principle thing and like it's hard because it's like something that I had passion for and obviously like I uh it was uh, something like you know gave me motivation at to do my job and whatnot in the very kind of <laughs> like deteriorating society and world right so uh but you can't you know at some point you have to like um like we come on here and we 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 tout workers and we talk about the corporate bullshit and stuff like that. And like, I have to like, you know, like I have to be able to look myself in the mirror. Right. And uh, so anyway, um, yeah, that's why. So anyways, we'll see what happens like that, but I would stay tuned for the next little while. Cause like, 
I have a feeling like some kind of like uh, something of hitting of the fan will happen, whether however, whatever that is. Right. But we just don't have the bodies to actually continue to do a daily paper. So I don't know. I don't know where that's going to go. And uh, there's probably a point in my career where I would have been like, ah, I probably shouldn't say some of this publicly, but I didn't fucking do any of this. They, they, they made their bed. So um, what are you going to do? So anyway. Yeah. And I think anyone uh, who works at a newspaper or has worked at a newspaper uh, can relate to that. But anyways, we're, we're sort of doing a lightning round to, to yeah, today because so. both Scott and I are uh, going to be traveling for the Labor Day weekend, which is uh, when we're recording on like Saturday. literally right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, if you think scott should um bring back laying it out on substack uh feel free to give him some encouragement um by contacting the podcast um now let's um do um quick sports talk to uh start off the podcast uh we think (laughs) we've we've stolen we've decided that that's our new shtick by the way so yeah uh so uh can jays make playoffs well uh I mean, obviously, I don't think I don't think they're gonna at this point. And I think obviously, like the odds are like there was like thirty eight percent going into yesterday. But it's funny game, right? And yesterday they won, and just about every team, well, literally every team they would need to lose lost. Uh, this being Saturday, uh, the whatever first of second of September. So uh, Texas is just like trying so hard to be a bigger tank job than than the jays so they're not they're like actually literally not out of it and they do have without a doubt they have the best pitching staff in baseball it's just sad that like all this time i've been a jays fan like there's just every year there's just like it's one thing doesn't come together it's like they never hit and pitch at the same time it's like you have had like as good an offense if not the best offense in baseball for two three four years in a row now and you now actually have the best pitching staff in the game starters and bullpen and it's about to get better with chad green coming back and uh you can't well except for last night when he totally ate shit yeah well that's first i'm not worried about one start like first start back right and it didn't matter anyway so nonetheless they can't hit worse shit. Their only hitter, the best hitter in the in the American League is hurt. Like, I don't know. It's I'm sad. And yeah, Vladdy's just not uh he's just not Vladdy this year. No, it sucks. But um I think, yeah, I think Texas is gonna flame out. Uh, I think the Jays will get the last wild card spot, which puts us in a good position because that's actually the one spot you want if you're gonna yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Minnesota for for those who don't follow baseball um please keep listening because we will talk about other stuff in a second you've already skipped ahead on your podcast yeah yeah, yeah. just skip ahead a couple minutes but um yeah i i like the minnesota twins uh for those who haven't skipped ahead in uh don't know a lot about baseball are ahead of us in the playoff standings because they're in the lead of their division, which totally sucks. If they were in our division, they would be. Uh, would they be lost? Or, or, but aren't the Yankees last, something like that? It's up, yeah, it's yeah, up yeah, yeah. Because the Yankees suck this year, which yeah, yeah. you love to see it. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So if we get the last wild card spot in the first round, we play them. 
And I, I think we can beat Minnesota easily in like a best of three series. Like, but you know, uh, but then after that, I mean, you know, it, it, the team's just not gelling. Right? They literally like, do have, have all the... like, on paper. Our team is so good, but in, in in practice, as Scott said, we're not pitching and hitting at the same time. You know, it needs to baseball. It's not like basketball where you have a couple, a few star players in your golden, like you need the team to. It's a bunch uh, of individual matchups that come together as a team. And if you don't have it working, it doesn't matter if one guy does well, if the guy behind him doesn't do well also. Um, yeah. They, uh, I think, I think they'll, they'll make it. Let's just make that our prediction, but um, yeah, it's, a, it's frustrating. So fun um have you are you uh you're not going out to toronto again this year like um, yeah definitely not uh well no i'm not i'll be back in toronto next year um so yeah i mean we'll see what well, next uh year's their year anyway so right yeah uh next year yeah okay, well, um, we should do you want to move yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, but I, I have a decent transition because, you know, uh, Naomi Klein has a new book coming out in a few weeks. We talked about this and uh, oh, so did yes, we? I yes. So I know because we talked about it, but that's why. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I only bring that up because, uh, as, as we know, Naomi Klein is actually personally responsible for the NDP losing in 2019. Correct. Um, and uh, by proxy, she's responsible for the NDP losing in 2023. Although, I mean, the NDP pretty much won, right? Like, best best, uh, best uh, results in Calgary ever. That is, I'll give you a 65 out of 100 on your, like, delivery of your killer transition there. But not too bad. But I, so to our listeners, today what we're actually talking about here is um, you probably... You may or may not know by now, but uh, Jeremy on his uh, own Substack, The Orchard, as well as you, it was on Ricochet, I believe, right? Yeah, it was a, it was a story for Ricochet, but Ricochet uh, let me publish I whatever I write I for them on my newsletter. So, uh, yeah, I just want to make that clear that it's like a Ricochet exclusive. All right. So it's a Ricochet exclusive. It's... Uh, um, I mean, I guess it's not an exclusive because I reprint it on my newsletter, but it's a Ricochet original. If... Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce it now, and you're gonna, sh- and then you can talk about it all you want. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so you wrote this piece, and it was uh, essentially of uh, so what did you, what was it called again? Like what, where, why, what? Why? I gotta get it up on my phone. Fox well, it, it, so it. the the headline is "You've Changed, Man: <laughs> yeah. How the Alberta NDP Lost Its Way." Right, 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 right. Okay, I got it here on my phone. Uh, okay, so anyway. It's been getting a lot of uh, traction and, uh, you know, I think kind of typically exactly the kind of reaction that you probably expected going in. Uh, But what this piece essentially is, is a lot about um, sort of how it's shifted away from its social democratic uh, uh, sort of mantra that everybody has always known it to be. Um, It's made a drastic move towards center at its um efforts to court uh conservative or right of center conservatives anyways into the party as opposed to uh sticking to its progressive policies it gets into a lot about um how uh the centralization of power within the party 
uh, at the top with its leader, um, uh, Rachel Notley, and then uh, gets into uh, several of the uh, various allegations that have come out or not come out, you may or may not have heard of all of them, um, from, you know, how they vet their candidates to uh, how they treat uh, staff members, these kinds of things. Um, so Jeremy wrote this. We're going to talk to him about this today a little bit uh, before I get into it. It is a great piece, by the way, but uh, just as like um, a side piece or whatever, I'm not sure who you had edited it. It was, clearly wasn't me, but uh, you uh, don't rent. You, you mentioned Rachel Notley as like her first reference, like the fourth time you say Notley. So you say Notley, 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 and then Rachel Notley. So, you know, and then, oh, shit, really? and then, I'm... and then there are so many Oxford commas in that, that I was like saddened by like the disconnect that we've obviously gained between us. Like, did you have someone edit it and they added in 40 Oxford commas or did you just, have you just decided in all this time apart from us that you were going to reintroduce this archaic and dead punctuation point? <laughs> uh, I, I think a bunch of them were added, but actually, uh, when I was writing the book, um, uh, Dundurn Press's uh, in-house style is the Oxford comma, so I think I, I they sort of brainwashed me into Oxford comma, so it could be either way. I would tell uh, them to keep their fucking money. I mean, I seriously wouldn't, obviously, but that is, they gotta, whoever, if somebody from your publishing company is listening to this, like, clean it the fuck up, it's 2023. And whoever edited your piece, um, just uh, let let go of the Oxford comma, man. It's a useless, ridiculous thing. Anyways, that's all I wanted to say. So many people are like attached to it. It's like the, it's one of the best like heated arguments you can get into because it's so fucking doesn't matter. <laughs> but people get so passionate about it, and I'm like so anti the Oxford comma now that I will like take front and center in that debate. Yeah, well, I mean, it's Canadian press uh, style. Uh, you know, I studied under you um, in 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 the real world. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I went to Humber College for journalism school, but um, so I'm I'm all I'm I'm against the Oxford comma too, like intuitively. But Unless it, I mean, it does, it does make sense. Because <laughs> even if you're against the Oxford comma, you have to concede that sometimes you need to use it. And so if you need to use no, it no. sometimes, why you not? Really, no, no, you really don't. That's my favorite part of the argument. 100% of the time, you could give me that an example of that. And 100% of the time, I could show you why that's not true. And I play this game with millions of times, but that's not why we're here today. But anyways, all you got to do is change the order of the list you're uh, running and you won't need the Oxford comma. Anyway, um, very simple. So, uh, So your piece. So first of all, did they ask you to write it? Did Ricochet come to you and say, can you write this? Or did you go to them? I went to them. You know, I had a, I had, I wrote last year after the uh, Ontario NDP uh, failed to uh, defeat Doug Ford in, a, in an election that was uh, far less close than this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, I, you know, just talking to a few former uh, party volunteers about sort of where the Ontario NDP went wrong and uh what it needs to do to get shit together now because i haven't lived in ontario in almost seven years or well i guess at the time almost six years 
you know, I, it was just a matter of talking to a few people and, and, and getting that out there. I wrote that piece for the breach. Um, and I, yeah, I wanted to do something similar for the Alberta NDP, but of course living here and just hearing so many stories like murmured and also, you know, the odd media coverage uh, would come out. Like last year, there was that letter from 15 like regional party executives and uh, VPs saying that the party's fucking with the nomination process, that the staffers are being abusive. And um, it, it kind of, it was in the media you know, Canadian press covered it. I'm sure CBC covered it. Right. And then it kind of just went silent. But obviously, you know, and the party um, issued, the, you know, ordered this third party investigation, didn't release it publicly. So, um, yeah. And so as I started talking to people, they were telling me about things that like I, you know, hadn't heard of, like this letter from the Indigenous Peoples Caucus. Um, to the party staff being like, yeah, the party is treating Indigenous people um, horribly. And they're... Um, Did you say that it was the caucus staffer, like that Avery, or who was the... Um... No, no, no. So they're a member of the Indigenous People's Caucus. Okay, um, but, okay. There's a part there where I felt like it read like this was an indigenous member of the NDP caucus. And I was like, well, that's not going to be too fucking hard to figure out. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, they had some pretty harsh words about the well, two yeah. members yeah. Of, of the NDP caucus. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is, I I, I mean, that I, I, I think that is uh, confusing because you have the party caucus that is sits in the legislature and represents the party. And then within the party structure, you have various caucuses of different interests. So there's an indigenous caucus, there's a disabilities caucus, there's a racialized members caucus, right? And so the terminology is somewhat uh, confusing, which definitely did uh, occur to me as I was writing. I was trying to figure out ways to make that distinction but mm. i mean peace is so long as it is it's kind of you know it, it's hard to sort of spell that out but um but yeah uh and uh as as you said the response to it was uh you know what you expected um you know, I didn't like I thought it would uh, I, I I was concerned it would be coming from like more prominent people who would be um, shitting on it. But of course, those people wisely um, ignored it, ignore it after yeah. threatening to uh, sue me. And I'm pretty sure I know which party staffer uh, threatened to sue me. Um, that that was actually one of one of the bad faith criticisms that came from party loyalists on like social media was that you don't even know who you talk to from the party. Like, what is this hatchet job? And it's like, yeah, I emailed media at albertandp.ca and someone got back to me and just signed to Alberta NDP. Like, if you know a way how to um figure out who that person is specifically um i'm all ears but well, let, let's let's stop there really quick and talk about that for a second because like we definitely found like that through the election campaign as well as far as like we had two local candidates who like we literally knew both of these people for years before they became ndp candidates like i've known 
Gwendolyn Dirk for years. Uh, Kathy Hogg had been like in like uh, public school or a, a, yeah, both good a people in, for a long time, right? So we all knew them. And when the when the election campaign ran, we we couldn't get in touch with them. Uh, they we we, were, we weren't allowed to talk to them. And then like um, just like really quickly, like get you back talking. But the when the debates, the forums happened or whatever. It was like they weren't they were coming and they weren't going to come. And then last minute they showed up. And it's like I remember you writing a little bit about people not being allowed to participate in forums or whatever. And it's just like. What was I just didn't understand, like the point of even having these. You're making all this talk about how we're going to have all these great candidates. We really worked hard to get these really strong women to run and whatnot. And then you just kind of muzzle them and 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 wait to see what happens, which I didn't, I just didn't understand that. So anyways, go ahead. Yeah, it's funny. I remember when I was at the news interviewing uh, Kathy when she was the uh, head of the Public School Board Association, and she was so reluctant to like directly criticize the UCP. Um, that was funny to see her be an NDP candidate, but she's good. I, I mean, she's great, you know. Yeah. I mean, Gwendolyn as well, also an educator, and you know, they're both uh, uh, committed to public education. And I imagine weren't too thrilled about the fact that the party was like, "Yeah, charter schools are great, homeschooling's great." Um, we we should fund all uh, types of education equally, um, right? I mean, there's no vision. There was no vision. Well, you could what's... certainly tell that when they did talk or whatever, they were, you know, just parroting party talking points, which I mean, like, again, like the NDP does have a right to run their party however they want to run it. I mean, like, you know, but at the same time, like you can when you're a member of the media, like you can really quite immediately tell when someone's being taken under sort of party direction. And it is a very big difference in, 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 in the access you get to them and whatnot. And again, like, you know, you can argue this both ways. Like, obviously there needs to be some sort of a, you know, you want your candidates on the same page, quote unquote, on 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 most of your big issues and whatnot. You don't want to see contradictions of certain things. But I mean, there's got to be a better, you know, a more happy medium or something like this. I don't know. Um, that yeah, just running completely roughshod over local volunteers. Like, why why would anyone join a party that is just going to tell them? you don't know what you're talking about you don't know how to win elections your liability um just let us do everything from edmonton but people on the ground in medicine hat know what sort of messaging works in medicine hat right better than yeah. egghead in edmonton um and, well, and, it, and i'm not sure who said it in your piece but talking about like there uh you can you can get to rural Albertans with progressive policies. They want progressive policies. You just have to approach them in a way that relates to them. You have to find the right way to deliver those messages. And like, it's not that fucking hard, really. Yeah, and it's just like, instead their message was Danielle Smith, bad. And it's like, yeah, no shit, no one cares. And no one like, cares. Because you can meet her, you meet her, and she's totally personable, and 
and uh, you know, I, I hate to say it, but likable. And 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 it doesn't matter. Who cares? Who well, cares? And honestly, like, wasn't Kenny like didn't Notley pull better than Kenny as a premier going into the 2019 election? Like people liked Notley better than they liked Jason Kenny, and he cleaned her clock in the election. Yeah, like yeah, they, exactly. they don't and they get, learned they don't fuck the the Albert like liking or disliking they won't care when they get to the ballot box like they just they're not going to right so yeah that that approach of danielle smith bad for for the entire time i mean we've talked about that before that completely fucking derailed themselves because you've now given them an you've made it all about danielle smith and you've not you've like stopped your, you've uh, cut off your legs from being able to talk about kenny's record the UCP, like the the four, the three years that they had before she even showed up of failure and you didn't even get to talk about it or whatever. Now, we have very little time here. So I want to ask you also about, um, you got into the vetting process or whatever. And I wanted to ask you in a bit of a de devil's advocate kind of a way, um, because I do think that um, there are aspects of vetting where, you should know what the other party is going to find on you so that you can, you know, get in front of it or whatever. So I, I can understand why you might get some uncomfortable questions about your personal life and your past and uh, even your partner's uh, spouses, whatever. Um, but I also think that like when you've been getting the backlash about that part of your piece, it's ignore people saying, well, yeah, those questions are completely valid. Okay, but you're not addressing the fact that it it sounds like these questions, these none of the questions were about policy or how they felt about how the party should run. Every question was about personal life and just how bad are you going to make us look if you run, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, the it was these questions were clearly geared towards candidates who they didn't want her, right? right. Like Crystal Lee, they were looking for a way to disqualify them. And so, I mean, you ask someone whose husband is a Chinese immigrant, do you have any ties to the communist party of China? I mean, what the fuck kind of line of inquiry is that? I mean, like, like I, I, I get that the UCP are dirt play dirt and they're going to go after anything. Yeah, but this assumption that someone who is an immigrant and keep in mind this is before the foreign interference hysteria, which I mean we 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 could talk about another episode because there's a lot to deconstruct there. But I I mean again, how is it relevant to their ability to be a good candidate? I mean the stuff about like also like are there nude photos of you? Does your ex have a vendetta against you? Like. I, I mean, these are things like, okay, if the UCP digs up um, these things, yeah, I'm the candidate. It, like, people don't care about that shit. People don't care about drug use. I mean, people love Ralph Klein, yeah. you know, well, and Rob Ford. I mean, no one cares about that shit. I think that there's a way, and like, we weren't in the interview rooms, and I'm not, again, like, I, I'm just trying to come at this from a, a, the least biased I can be, but 
I think there are ways to approach an interview where you get to those questions. So I would like, if it was me, for example, maybe I spend the first, however long of the interview, the bulk of the interview is going to be about their policy, like what they, what they, you know, believe in ideologically, what, how they fit with, you know, uh, the direction that, you know, I want to go with my party and, and that kind of thing. And then maybe at the end, last 10 minutes or something, I'm going to be like, listen, this part sucks. <laughs> we just want to know basically any possible thing that might be used by the opposition, the dirty pieces of shit that we're going up against that we have to get out in front of. But if it was something like, let's say, yeah, okay, there is, you know, there is nude photos or there is uh, something I said in the past or there is, you know, whatever. That I would never personally, I just could never see that as a reason not to use them as a candidate. In fact, I would use that as a reason, like if they, when when they do bring up, when the UCP does come after that part of who you are or whatever, you could almost use that as like a, look how fucking off top, like not on point these guys are. Like who gives a fuck about the fact that my candidate wants, you know, use drugs in high school or whatever like i don't you know, but like it just sounds like they were grilled in a way like you said of um how can we disqualify you and it's i just think that's like a shitty way to go about it and i just think that some of the people that read your piece kind of misunderstood the tone that those meetings probably were and like i just assumed well yeah you gotta vet your you know your candidate and call it a day right right i mean it's just a series of straw man arguments by people who think the ndp is great and everything is awesome and um that or they think that any criticizing of the ndp is a vote for the ucp which is just also right and we've talked about this on the podcast before right it's like some people see politics as just a team sport yeah and so um, you're going to cheerlead for your team. And, you know, as, as journalists, as people who think critically, our job isn't to do that. It's to um, hold people to account. And, uh, you know, just the, the this idea that this centralized control, this silencing of volunteers, of ignoring them, of... Um, is is just an immutable fact of politics and um it's impossible for anything to be different is is just i mean it's a it's the is ought fallacy right like just because something is a certain way um doesn't mean it has to be and um the the justification for this is always like oh well the party's trying to win of course they're going to take resources from rural alberta and put it to calgary of course they're not gonna let um you know local volunteers decide policy um well and like you again like whether you think if you like you're allowed to think that like party politics should be about trying to beat the other party and trying to win or whatever. And that's how Paul, but like, that's not a, like, let's not sit back and pretend that that's an ideal fucking system where, because like, that's why we're at where we're at. Like it's, it's no different at the federal level. Like everybody knows that Justin Trudeau is like a hundred times better than anything Pierre Polyev might bring in. We're not fucking idiots. But like this idea that like 
it allows Justin Trudeau to not deliver on the things that he's supposed to be delivering on actual progressive policies that you really want to see in Canada. He's, he's allowed to like um, drag his feet on that shit because he has so many people are just like, well, anything's better than Paul. Yeah. Well, it's no different down here. Like obviously an NDP government, like we all, we, I'm sure we both voted for NDP. Like we're not, you know, like we'd we'd way rather that than the UCP. Like I'd way rather listen to Rachel Notley talk than fucking Danielle Smith. But like, if there's especially when they're the opposition, they're not even governing right now. If you can't spend your time, if you can't look at in the fucking mirror. Like you become no better than the other guys. Like we all sit here and we watch Trump be indicted four or five times, ninety-one charges or whatever, and we go, how can his supporters? still fucking support him and how can they not know that he's like a crook or whatever like yeah it gets so bad when you become when you become um attached to the person and not the policies it can get to a point where you become so uh stuck on that person and you see them as as something bigger than just another human that you will be, you won't believe anything no matter how bad it is and there's no way that we've we've seen the allegations we've seen staffers we've we've heard from people directly anonymously and not anonymously regarding the ndp and their behavior and how they treat the part uh staffers or how they work within the party we've heard allegations for years now and it doesn't make a better alberta to always find a defense for those for her and the party in in, in, in in you know i say pretty high up in the piece that notley's leadership i mean a lot of these people compared to eric stephen harper or jason kenny and the very same people defending notley's Correct. cadre in their conduct and saying well shucks that's just politics are the exact same people right. who would look at kenny doing the same thing in 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 say that the, he's a tyrant yeah. and so i think that in uh, that we need to hold our side to the same standards as the other side and um yeah you know this notion that that any i you know it's always prefaced by saying oh the ndp's per isn't perfect and of course they should be criticized but 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 but, but 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 yeah but this is unfair but this never is the time or the place utopian it's not utopian to listen to the party grassroots right and not treat them like a liability and scum who are um don't understand the intricacies of politics and it, it's just interesting to me that when, when people say oh it has to be this way because how are we going to win otherwise and then you point out that they lost and either they go one or two ways. They say, oh, but we almost won, right? right? If 2,000 votes in Calgary had, yeah. had gone a different way in the, the exact ridings they needed to, then they would have won. Well, yeah, yeah. If they didn't lose, they would have won. That, of, of course. I'm pretty sure if Donald Trump had 11,780 more votes in Georgia, he would have won. Yeah, yeah, it, it, exactly. But then the other, the other argument, which is even um, 
more preposterous is oh yeah well what what are you gonna do it's a long shot it's it's just alberta but you know what are you gonna do and it's like i thought you wanted to win now you're saying oh well well how are we gonna win and then it's like okay well you can do the exact same thing over and over and keep losing and keep just saying oh well that's alberta or you could try something different and the idea that trying something different is some utopian fantasy um rooted right. in like far left hysteria is fucking gross and it's fucking vile when people who really don't know what they're talking about um um make that argument and 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 you know i i think it's one thing so you have people who aren't involved with the party that for whatever reason have this like irrational attachment to its leader and probably have listened to a few episodes of the strategists. So, you know, they, they know how to win elections, but on the other side and more, more, more importantly and, and troubling is you have these party apparatchiks who don't care. They don't actually care about winning. They don't like that is they want, they care about having jobs. Right. They care about being the most progressive person in the room and anyone else to the left of them is just a liability to them being able to uh, continue uh, getting paid a pretty generous salary to, 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 to lose. I mean, Jeremy Nole, what? Jeremy Nole hasn't won shit in his life. Literally, he joined the, he became, he, he joined the NDP after they won in 2015 and he presided over their loss in 2019, presided over their loss in 2023. And he's fucking boasting that he just got his contract extended and he's going to help the party win in 2027. I and, mean, the obvious, like I said, we've, I mean, we've said this before, like they're, there's a disconnect there's a there's a difference of opinion here in the sense of like they obviously see what they're doing as a build up to something they obviously see them progressing in the right direction uh, of where they want to be and they think like they just need to uh get those last 2000 votes or whatever uh, and a lot of us see it as uh you know if you lose twice you should stop it's this is how like Four-year terms are a long time now. Uh, we got to run, but I think to sum up, like just kind of what you were saying, just about um, how people sort of get so washed up in the person and the party. Like, I think that like, and then they end up contradicting themselves. And that's sort of the point. Like the second you make it about the person and not the, the ideology or the things that you want to see happen with your city town province country world um you will end up having to contradict yourself in order to defend that person it's just the way it is and like jeremy has pointed out several different several times where people criticize one side of doing something then go ahead and do it on the other side and listen every single one of us in the world is guilty of being a hypocrite at some point like we do it but it's important, like, it's extremely important that you, uh, if you're going to take on a, any sort of political activism, um, you better be able to look in the mirror, you better be able to handle your own camp, because 
Um, you're going to be dealing with attacks from the other side. Anyway, you need to have your shit in your house in order. And um, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't look well, especially when your entire stick as a party is that the other side has no morals, no values, treats people like shit and doesn't care about anyone. You better avoid stories coming out where, where people within your own party complain that they aren't listened to and nobody gives a shit about them. And if you don't see why that doesn't look good for your party, if you don't see why that doesn't bode well for the NDP, then you are as blind as they're being and you're destined to be in second place in this province. Yeah, and, and, and they're fine with that. Um, it, it's just the disingenuity of just saying, oh, um, we need to win. And then immediately being like, well, yeah, I mean, we're not going to win in Alberta. It's just like, shut up. Your ideology is discredited. Don't I mean, anyone so... that brags about being the biggest opposition in history of a province is okay with second place. Like, you understand that, right, listener? Like, that is the that is the, the love language of a loser. I'm just, that's a fucking weird thing to brag about. So honestly weird flex. Like, Remember when uh, when uh, in the first Fast and the Furious where Vin Diesel beats fucking uh, Paul Walker in the first race or whatever, and he gets out of the car and Paul Walker's like, I almost had you, man. Vin Diesel's like, you all Yeah, that's the Alberta one. NDP. And, and, um, <laughs> and um, now he's dead. Exactly. Cautionary tale. Cautionary but, tale. But, but yeah, no, I mean, if you're going to lose, if you've already consigned yourself to the reality that the NDP can't win in Alberta, then why are you so resistant to the party making changes? That's that's what really boggles the mind. And, um, I, you know, there's there's no one can come up with a good answer for it because it's true. Like, you right you, you you lose twice pursuing a certain strategy and i think there are two sort of separate but related developments i pointed out in the story this this pivot to the center that happened at the same time as control was centralized and the party membership uh was just totally um discounted and i mean they're not unrelated right um but like I, I mean, if you're going to lose anyways, might as well lose like standing for something than just offering people the same neoliberal slop that they've been eating for the past, you know, 45 years. Right. That was a great last line. I think we've got to go. You got to be somewhere in 23 minutes. I can actually hear things going upstairs. Sounds like packing and whatnot. Um, so we're going to get on the highway right away here. But um, I thought it was a great piece um i think uh it's funny to me to watch all of the um so-called progressives uh take shots at you when you do stuff like this um it to me their comments uh read like they, and they were to tell somebody said that you were had just like kind of i can't remember what they were, exactly they said but childish complaints or something like that or whatever and it was just belly aching or whatever and it sounded like their entire reactions to what you wrote read like that to me so i just thought that was funny when it's like a, yeah a child stamping it, it, their feet saying you're having a temper tantrum like i 
I thought your piece yeah, and they're so smug about it. I mean, I think that's what really gets me. Um, well, I mean, that's fine, but this is that's kind of how they are, right? Like that's how people are, right? Like we're smug too sometimes. It's just, I just, I I, I just thought it was uh, very telling to everything you were saying in your piece. He just sort of like stood up and was like, "By the way, you're accurate by showing you, right? Like by doing what we say, people do that they should stop doing." But anyway. Thank you for being here with me today, buddy. Yeah, always good to uh, catch up and uh, produce some content. Uh, Thanks for waiting for me to update Zoom. Yeah, no problem. All right, well, it's the time of the show where we say thank you to those of our patrons who uh, take such good care of us. Um, Farah Chaudhry, Nicola DiNicola, Chris Derwold, Dave Miller, Darius Beargard. You guys are the best. For other patrons and listeners, thank you guys for being so patient throughout the last year. Uh, it's been a insane roller coaster uh, in life, and uh, I'm sure you guys have all lived those kinds of things as well. So, love you guys. We'll be back as soon as possible, and uh, yeah, take care. Bye, Jerome. Stay safe out there. <laughs>